Hello and a very warm welcome to Reason for Hope once again. We're glad you're joining us. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided by your questions on the Bible. That's right, we are live with you. You're able to send in your questions uh, through our multiple online platforms and chat functions and I will be fielding those questions as they're coming in and we will delve into the Word to find the answers to those. So any questions you have on, on the Bible, maybe it's a specific verse or passage of Scripture or Maybe even something you're going through in your life, you'd like a biblical perspective, um, something that has maybe confused you and confuddled you, maybe uh, other religions and Christianity itself. Really, any honest question, as long as you know, we're going to delve into the Bible to find the answers to those questions. That's what we're here to do. My name's Dave Robson. As I said, I'm your host today, and I'll be fielding all those platforms as your questions and comments come on in. And with us today, we have Pastor Sean Richards. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> and a little bit on the outside, too. Yeah. We have bad allergy right now in Tucson, Arizona. It's kind of windy, and when the wind goes, so does all the dust and everything kick up. And, and, all, and all the rain and snow that we've had, uh, I guarantee you two things, not that I'm prophesying here, lots of pollen and lots of bugs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. usually happens when we have an extraordinarily rainy winter. So, That's right. Yeah. It's still a beautiful place to live. Yeah. But. More yeah. of this. Yeah. More of that, yes. Well, speaking as well, um, as you can hear and see, Pastor Scott Richards, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Dave. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's good to, yeah. good to see you, and thank you for being here. Thank you for making yourself available um, these weekdays on A Reason for Hope to delve into the Word. It's very brave of you to do that. <laughs> Especially these days. <laughs> Especially yeah. these days. You never know what questions are going to come. So, Well, as I mentioned, A Reason for Hope is a live broadcast. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Tucson, Arizona or whatever it is for you around the world of course join us through the internet you can join us all around the world whatever time zone that is um, I'll mention is you if you're listening on the radio reach radio one of the affiliates we're glad you're listening you're listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded so we're not live with you per se but I'll be sharing our email address with you in a few moments where you can send your questions um, for those of you watching line there's watching online there's various places you can join us you can go to our website here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. It's calvarychristianfellowship.com. If you follow that watch live tab that's right there, that will take you to our live page where you'll see our video. You can sign in with a username and uh, interact with us through the chat box there. When we're offline, you'll see a countdown to the next show that we're going to be doing. You'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well. Not only a reason for hope, but services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson and other events as well that we have coming up so ccftucson.online.church is the address if you want to type that straight in that will take you right to that page or even share it with family and friends as well of course we're on facebook live there as well calvary christian fellowship of tucson is our page or facebook.com slash ccf tucson don't forget to like and to share us around we'd love to reach out to the people in your sphere of influence as well if you've been blessed by this ministry if you haven't been blessed then share it to someone who might be blessed so <laughs> either way just share us around <laughs> you like that? Just come on. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh, we have an app as well, a mobile app for your phone, whether it's an iPhone or Android device or a mobile device. Calvary Christian Fellowship, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. That's easy for you to say. If you go to your app store, look for that red background with the white Calvary Chapel Dove logo and download us on your mobile device. And we also have a channel on Roku and we have a channel on Apple TV as well. So add us in your list of channels on those devices and you can watch us on your big screen. Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, of course. Uh, we're on YouTube, of course, youtube.com slash at a reason for hope five, four, six, but just search for a reason for hope and you will find us. Look for that Calvary Chapel white dove logo 
and you will find us right there. If you click on that live tab, that will take you to an archive of any time we have been live. So that's a great way to catch up on shows or rewatch a question. If there's something that interests you, you can go back and recap all of that. Um, really, any time we've been live, it will be archived right there in that live tab, A Reason for Hope on YouTube. And again, don't forget to like and share and subscribe. Click the bell. That means that you will get notified when we are live. You get a little reminder, a little ding, ding. And uh, Pastor Scott needs to mute all of his devices. <laughs> no, we tell him every day. Yeah. We have an echo. There's an echo we're, in here. Yeah. There's an echo in here. There's an echo in here. Uh, Pastor Scott, talking of which, uh, is on Twitter. Scott R4H. Uh, you can follow along with him there. Scott Richards, our pastor here, senior pastor at uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship. He posts highlights from the show. He posts commentary on world events and things going on as uh, it pertains to uh, uh, end times and prophecy and um Things like that. So you'd want to follow along with him. It's very interesting and informative. Scott R4H on Twitter. Uh, a relatively newer platform for us, Rumble. Uh, be prayerful. We're actually looking into whether we'll be able to live stream to Rumble. Um, we're looking into that capability. But for now, it's an archive as well. So go to Rumble. A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. If you're on that platform, you will find us there as well. And then, as I mentioned, our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com of course you can email us there anytime and we also get to those questions and once again on the radio you are a day behind but use that email address and we will get to your questions um, on our next show well with all that being said who'd like to pray today who's going to take it i would love to pray let's do it <laughs> i'll pray for sean while we're at yeah, poor guy. yeah. father i thank you that we have this opportunity to be able to explore your word together lord uh, in these kind of times we're living in right now i can't think of anything more important uh, than for us to have a firm foundation in these dark and stormy times a foundation that can stand no matter uh, how hard the wind blows or how high the seas rise i thank you lord that your word can be that guidance for us that direction that comfort and that power, uh, Lord, uh, I pray that as we get equipped to be able to uh, answer the questions that are on the hearts and minds of so many people today, uh, we would get off our heels and, and have a more uh, forward posture in terms of being able to allow your word to reach more and more people, more and more people that really need your touch and your love and your comfort today. So, Lord, we don't want to share our takes. We don't want to give our two cents worth. We want... Lord, to allow your word and your truth and your truth alone to speak. So, Father, grant us that grace and grant us that power mm -hmm. through the coming upon power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, we can't understand anything. Uh, but, Lord, with you, uh, this can be an amazingly fruitful, even a miraculous and life-changing time. We pray that as your word goes out all over the world, as a result of this broadcast, it would not return to you void, but accomplish what you sent it out to do as you promised. We look forward uh, to uh, seeing you move in powerful and even miraculous ways as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, once again, send your questions in on those various chat functions wherever you're viewing us, and we will be getting to those questions here shortly. But um, Pastor Scott, you're my favorite news reporter. Is there anything, uh, <laughs> anything going on? In yeah, the I world? actually did that for a living uh, for that's a while right. yeah. uh, back in the day, so uh, I guess that's, that's semi-accurate. Uh, boy, there's a lot of, uh, of different things going on in the world that we could touch on. But uh, before uh, we went on the air, certainly there were an awful lot of people out there uh, that still have a, a huge amount of questions uh, regarding uh, the tragic shooting uh, that took place in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you not aware, uh, a uh, 
former student at uh, the Covenant School, which was a part of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, uh, came into the school and gunned down six people, uh, three adults and three nine-year-old children mm. uh, in this uh, particular assault. Uh, the shooter uh, was identified as a 28-year-old former student. I'm not even going to dignify this attacker by mentioning uh, her name. Uh, the uh, the fact of the matter was uh, there were all kinds of uh, questions about uh, the the issues involved because the perpetrator uh, was a uh, uh, in the the process of becoming a transsexual, uh, mm. and uh, the uh, hot uh, button issue had a lot to do uh, with uh, a number of, uh, well, uh, what we might call provocative uh, tweets that were made by uh, certain uh, trans supportive organizations, uh, including uh, some veiled calls to violence. Apparently someone took that rather seriously. Uh, there are those that will talk about this in terms of gun control issues. Uh, could this have been prevented? Apparently this uh, woman had eight different guns uh, that had been uh, secreted away mm. in her house as a result of, uh, of her plan. She had a manifesto that she put together, uh, a map uh, that clearly showed that there was serious knowledge of forethought. Uh, in fact, another detail that came out today was that uh, she did some scouting and she found the one school that didn't have an armed security guard, oh. and it happened to be the same school that she attended uh, mm. when, when she was a child. Mm. Uh, so uh, the, the, the long and the short of it is that there are those who will say this is an uh, issue about gun control. The usual suspects are talking about more restrictive gun legislation, pro mm -hmm. and con. There are others that uh, are asking questions about uh, what sort of uh, medications uh, this person was on. There were reports mm -hmm. that this person was mentally unstable. You know, did these medications help or hinder uh, what had happened there? Uh, you know, there's all kinds of issues that are going on here. In fact, uh, one of the interesting after effects of all of this uh, that hit home for those of us here in Arizona, for those of you who don't know, our broadcast originates uh, each and every day here in Tucson. Uh, Arizona uh, gubernatorial press secretary Jocelyn Berry tweeted hours after the session alongside of a screenshot of an actress pointing two pistols, quote, us when we see transphobes. Uh, now, there were a good 36 hours of silence uh, from the governor's office before finally it was announced uh, that Jocelyn Berry had uh, resigned. Uh, her uh, former administration uh, came out with a statement again after 36 hours saying that um, this tweet does not reflect its values. Well, I should hmm. certainly hope not yeah. <laughs> that you could say something along that line. So an awful lot of controversy, a lot of uh, brouhaha, but you know, one of the most clarifying statements of all of the statements that have been made about this uh, incredibly tragic set of circumstances was something that was posted uh, by uh, Pastor Greg Laurie. Greg uh, has been in the news. Uh, obviously, he was a, a featured character in the Jesus Revolution movie, which really was based upon a book he wrote about uh, his uh, coming to know Christ as uh, his personal savior. Uh, and uh, Greg uh, also uh, went through a very tragic set of circumstances where he lost his son, uh, Christopher, uh, in a uh, really tragic automobile accident a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so on Twitter, and believe it or not, some good things can actually happen on Twitter. This was one of them. Greg posted this. 
let's all be praying for the Scruggs family. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the uh, Scruggs family uh, were uh, the uh, individuals uh, who uh, were uh, the, the, uh, not just uh, one of the victims involved here, uh, but uh, also uh, Chad Scruggs was the senior pastor of the Presbyterian Church that was part of this covenant school. Uh, you know, really sad, tragic pictures of uh, he and his daughter uh, Haley uh, there. And so uh, Greg posted this, and, and boy, I sure hope you'll not only take this to heart, but maybe even go on Twitter or look it up on the Internet, because it's something you can really pass along to people. I think it will minister to them. Uh, Greg said this, let's all be praying for the Scruggs family. They lost their beloved little girl, Haley, in this act of pure evil. Having lost a son, I know why they are in unimaginable pain right now. I know there are so many why questions. After our son died, Pastor Chuck Smith said to me, never trade what you do know for what you don't know. Now, Chuck came by this very honestly. He lost his father and brother in a tragic airplane accident. Oh, really? Uh, and uh, it was it was really a heartbreaking thing. Reading any of the bios uh, that Chuck uh, has uh, participated in, yeah. you know, it was really a life-changing experience for mm-hmm. him. And one of the lessons he learned was the advice he gave to Greg. Pastor Chuck said to me, Greg said, uh, never trade what you do know for what you don't know. Here's what we do know. God loves this Christian family. Little Haley Scruggs is in heaven right now. We do know this. They will all be reunited one day. Haley is not just a part of the past. She is also a part of this family's future. May God comfort this family as only he can today. Let's also be praying for the families of the five others who lost their loved ones. And I would add, pray for the family of this deranged shooter. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had no uh, culpability, no blame in all of this, and they've got to be doubly devastated as to what is uh, what has transpired in all of this. Uh, you can look up Greg's post uh, on Twitter. Just go to uh, Greg Laurie at Greg Laurie uh, on Twitter, uh, or you can just look it up uh, online. But, but boy, if you're in a position where people are asking you uh, the time-honored questions when something like this happens, when three nine-year-olds uh, who were guilty of nothing uh, more than going to school on a particular day mm-hmm. are gunned down because of an clearly mentally unstable individual taking uh, violence uh, and uh, vengeance into their own hands. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be questions asked. And, you know, when uh, you are looking for real wisdom and insight, it's really good to go to people that have walked down that road, that have lost children in an untimely way. And uh, there's a real credibility behind Greg's tweet there Mm -hmm. that that I think uh, we all need to take to heart and Pastor Chuck's advice. Never trade uh, what you don't know for what you do know. Yeah. Uh, this side of heaven, you know, people are asking the question, you know, well, where was God in this? Why didn't he turn the bullets to rubber? Why didn't he stop this before it happened? Uh, you know, you all have uh, over the last couple of days covered the, uh, the problem of evil mm-hmm. and tying it into uh, the principle of genuine free choice and free will mm-hmm. uh, that God has given to us as his creatures uh, with the intention of allowing us to enter into a genuine love relationship with him. Well, um, you know, there are going to be people that, that are going to have those kind of questions. We need to be prepared uh, to answer. If you've got those kind of questions, we'll be happy to revisit uh, this uh, issue on the, the program today. No doubt about it. 
But uh, I really loved what, uh, what Greg had to say because he shared with wisdom, he shared with compassion, he shared uh, from a, a place not just of sympathy, but also of uh, empathy. Right. And, and if someone comes to you, say, who has lost a child uh, in an untimely way, uh, you know, never uh, start out with the words, oh, I know what you mean or I know how you feel. You don't, unless you've gone down that road. Yeah. But here's the most important thing God does. And we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who's been tested in all ways as we are yet without sin. Mm -hmm. And boy, that I think, you know, as a pastor over the years where I had to sit with people, um, you know, in, you know, ERs and, and uh, receiving the words that, uh, you know, a child has passed away. Uh, you know, one of the toughest uh, ministry assignments I think I've ever, I ever received is when I uh, do a visitation uh, say to uh, the uh, children's wing of a local hospital. Yeah. You know, it's really, really tough stuff yeah. because you get up close and personal with uh, innocence and suffering and, and, and the whole deal. And it, it, it's transported uh, out of the realm of the intellectual and, and out of the debate and out of the snark into the whole idea that we do live in a fallen world, uh, that Jesus, when he went to Lazarus's funeral, we are told that when they pointed out uh, where they had laid him. Shortest verses, verse we find in the Bible, two words, uh, Jesus wept. Yeah. And, and we are also told that when the question came up, well, why couldn't this have man have stopped him from dying? They were friends. We're told that Jesus moved with anger mm. when he said that. Now, I don't think he was angry at the people that were being snarky or, or questioning at that time. Those questions come. But I think he was angry at what, our fallenness as human beings has done right. to God's previously good creation. Francis Schaeffer, the great uh, Christian philosopher, uh, once said that he could be angry with death and its consequences without being angry at himself. Hmm. And uh, you know that's that I think is the the balance that we need to maintain in all of that. Um, yeah. This world in its currently constituted form is a temporary thing. It's passing away, and we are told that there is coming a new world where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and God will let us know all of the answers to all the questions that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, we might not get them this side of heaven, but we will. And I think that's the, the essence uh, of what Greg said there and why it's su such a, uh, a powerful, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Don't trade what you don't know, right? We won't know this side of heaven, why these things happen right. for what you do know. And we do know that Jesus loves us, mm -hmm. that Jesus loves children, we do know that he provided salvation for any who will put their faith and their trust in him. And boy, and, and I would just say, uh, as far as a point of application, if you're out there and you're watching this program and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus as your personal savior, uh, can I tell you, nobody on that day in Nashville, Tennessee, when they got up in the morning to go to school, thought anything like this could ever happen. Nobody really ever thinks it's their day to go. But in the words of an old German proverb, eternity's a long bargain. You know, we have to make up our minds and decide in this life whether we'll say yes or no to a saving relationship with God, uh, a saving relationship that God provided for us by becoming a man, walking among us in the person of Jesus Christ, by experiencing the worst that this world had to offer, including the almost incomprehensibly excruciating experience of dying uh, for us on the cross physically, uh, over the top, but even spiritually, that he bore your sins and my sins when he died for us. Mm. And we know that God accepted that sacrifice and that this is real and not just 
uh, gee, I hope so, wishful thinking, because Jesus rose from the dead in a moment of history, a historical fact that can be verified to the satisfaction of any fair inquirer who wants to look at the evidence. That's certainly one of the big things that led me uh, to abandon atheism and uh, become a born-again Christian, looking at that historical reality. And so understanding that, we understand something else. If Jesus rose from the dead, uh, we can take his word for the most important things in life. And the most important thing that Jesus said was this, if anyone hears my words and believes in him who sent me, he has eternal life. He will not enter into judgment, but is passed from death into life. So if you hear Jesus' words, his words that say, that say for instance, uh, the one who comes to me I will never cast out. Uh, the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's your turn. It's your time right now. Uh, wherever you are, just take a moment and, and turn to the Lord. Say to him, Lord, I realize Jesus died for me. I realize he rose from the dead so that I could have life. Please forgive my sins. Forgive me for all the things that have led me far from you. Come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. This day I receive you as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So uh, we, we hope that you will pray that prayer in the sincerity of your heart. If you have, welcome to the family of God. Uh, we'd also like to get you a package of information that can help you get up and growing in your walk with God. If that would help you out, just get in contact with us. Send us an email at questionsforhope.com at gmail.com with your contact information. We'd be happy to send that along to you. If you're in the greater Tucson area, come on by the church. We'd like to get a copy of our New Believers Survival Packet into your hands. Uh, you can, uh, again, join us for one of our services at 6.30 tonight. Uh, we're going to be gathering here, and if you made that decision, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to hear that you prayed and received Christ as your Savior, and we'd also like to get that uh, package of information to you. No cost, no obligation, no salesman's going to call you. Uh, we just want you up and growing in your walk with God. So, um, you know, really important stuff. Very important. You know, life is making up its mind for eternity every day. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. yeah well, thank you for sharing that and sharing uh, the reason for hope. That's yeah. what we're here. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what we're here exactly. To do. Yeah. Well, once again, uh, if you have questions, send them in in the chat function or whichever platform you join us on. Send your questions in. We have uh, plenty of time left here on the show to get to some questions uh we have a question from david it came in through our email address as you mentioned scott reason for hope uh, or sorry questions for hope at gmail.com um it's kind of a long uh, question here but i'll read it because it kind of puts us in in the picture of uh, what david is experiencing he says hi reason for hope team i'm reading in luke right now and i'm in luke 6 between luke 6 20 and 26 jesus pronounces blessings and woes on people based on different circumstances when i read this i can't help but see myself in the woes group and start to question if I'm really a good servant to Jesus or not. I have food to eat, money to provide for my family, plus some, get good remarks at work, etc. I'm just curious if the point of reading this is to feel a sense of discouragement and questioning of faith. Did Jesus want us to question our faith as often as I feel I do sometimes? I ask because I read Luke 3, where the good fruit of the tax collectors and soldiers was essentially do a good job and don't cheat people while, you're, uh, while doing your job. Seems like pretty simple fruit, but again, I, I uh, read Luke 6 and see myself in the woes group. Thank you, David. Well, three questions there. Does, I guess, the focus of, Ma of Luke 6, I suppose, emphasize to people that this is what it means to be a Christian, or is this what it means to be 
Christ. Second, in the idea of, and I hope I'm reading your question properly there, David, but the idea of if I have food to eat, money to provide, and have a good reputation among my fellow men, that that somehow makes you less Christian. And then, I guess we'll just take this step by step. For those of you who are familiar, Luke 6 is essentially a repeat event. Uh, there's the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. Right. And then there was another opportunity where our Lord had to repeat the same basic points, but in a more condensed format. We call it the Sermon on the Plain. Right. And uh, <laughs> my lack of oxygen yeah. got me yeah. uh, slowly behind you and executing that joke. But the yeah. point being made was Jesus isn't showcasing necessarily what's required of you in order to be saved. He's showcasing himself and the perfection that we're all to strive for. Because when we start, again, some of these words may be familiar, in verse 20, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Not on principle to be hated, but to be hated for Jesus' sake. Right. For indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now, if you're noticing a theme here, Jesus is, as only a Jewish rabbi could do, make a point through several contrasts. There are people who are full, and there are people who are hungry. There are people who are rich, and there are people who are poor. There are people who are spoken well of, like false prophets were, and people who were reviled for the Son of Man's sake, for doing the right thing. Now, in these contrasts, Jesus is showcasing his personality as the kind of people who follow him, as opposed to those who don't, with an expectation for the future. People who look in the future and say, I need something, you'll get it. People with an expectation in the future and say, I have all that I need, you'll be missing out on what matters most, which is what he then goes on to showcase in noting the right. kind of love that surpasses all understanding, that kind of love that would love your, for your, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Uh, and going on from there, just understand and remember that, David, when we're talking about Jesus showcasing himself, we're seeing perfection. And God's not going to mince details about even the little things that we get wrong. If we say, well, I'm not Jesus yet, that can be added on to the uh, latest medical journal titled, Duh, that's the whole point. But if, on the other hand, we take a step back and ask ourselves, can I be more like Jesus today? Can I look at this and say, can I look to the future and realize I'm poor, I want the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you already have it. I'm hungry for, cross-reference in Matthew 5, righteousness. Yeah. And then I'll be filled. He's making the same point, speaking to the same audience, and essentially giving the same sermon, but condensed. Right. So if we read into it, oh, I'm a sinner because I've made good financial decisions. No, in fact, when it comes down to it, if you... In, 
intentionally put yourself in a state of poverty where your family is suffering and you're unable to provide for people because you have to be a good Christian in poverty. You're in direct violation of Second Thessalonians 3, where it notes, or in First um, Timothy as well, where it notes you're worse than a non-believer. First, First Timothy 5, yeah. yeah. And also noting as well, if I say, well, I have food to eat, does that make me a sinner? Well, God's provisions that we could all assume is with food and clothing, these we shall be content. So notice this, my interpretation is in direct conflict with other plain statements of Scripture. If it's a sin to have food, and God's basic obligation to take care of his children is to give them food, I probably missed step one, or at least I'm looking at step one improperly. But if I note the exact same language Jesus used in Matthew 5 and cross-reference it with this, he's referring to your need for a future fulfillment, right. a future wealth, a future state with God, where even though people hate you now, you'll be spoken well of in heaven. If people love you now, but you're going to be condemned in heaven, what matters more? And that's the point that he's making. Sure. But then continuing on with his third point, and I'll uh, pass this little rugby ball to you. When he's <laughs> asking about the idea of the tax collectors doing a good job and not cheating, obviously he was speaking to John the Baptist there. How does that fit into what Jesus is talking about here and maybe uh, avoiding missteps as far as Bible interpretation and study? Yeah, I think there's a, a difference between the foundation of our faith and the fruit of our faith. And I think where we get confused sometimes and things get uh, a little bit condemning is that uh, we assume that when the Bible speaks of the fruit of a genuine Christian life, that somehow that's the prerequisite for acceptance with God. Right. What I do for God is what makes me right with him. Yeah. And, you know, the, the distinction there sounds minor. But it's almost like the analogy of, uh, you know, a plane taking off from Los Angeles going to Honolulu that has uh, their, uh, their compass off even one degree is going to miss Honolulu by 600 miles by the time they get there. Uh, really important for us to understand the distinction there. You know, should we question our faith from time to time? Depends what you mean by questioning. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 uh, the Apostle Paul said, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Christ Jesus is in you, lest you fail the test. So what's the test? We're to recognize that Christ Jesus is in us. That's the main test that is going on uh, here. How do you recognize that Jesus is in you? How do you know that? Well, I think there's three ways you can know that. Number one, the promises of God. What has Jesus said uh, is necessary for us to have a relationship with him? Well, in John chapter 6 and verse 26, uh, some first century truth seekers said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he has sent. So the first question that we need to ask ourselves in terms of self-examination is, what do we believe about Jesus? Do we believe what he said about himself, that he is God, very God in human flesh, that he came to die for the sins of the world, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do we believe that? Now, if you believe that, that is a really powerful answer to that Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five question. Why? Because uh, we are told in the Bible that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he understand them, for they are spiritually discerned. Unless God opens your eyes to that truth, you'll never get it. So if you got that, well, pretty good opportunity to be able to say, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm right with God. I understand what the gospel is all about. Uh, so, the, the, the first thing that we've got to understand 
is this, you know, number one, uh, do we understand God's promises that he has said very clearly that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The second thing that we need to take a look at is not just the promises of God, but our personal progression in our walk with God. Are we a different person because uh, we've received Jesus as our Savior? In, in the book of Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter said this, but also for this very reason, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, so have I taken God up in his promises? Do I see progression in my walk with God, not perfection in my walk with God, but progression. In other words, uh, you know, I, I think it's really wonderful that you're asking this questions and you look at that and you go, wow, you know, I, I really kind of fall short here. Well, falling short just means that you got a ways to go. Well, that's great if you understand that and you don't get discouraged about it. Now, here's, here's a little pro tip that I picked up having been a believer since 1973. One of Satan's most powerful strategies is to get you to put your trust in what you do for God rather than what God has done for you. Uh, you know, you say, by golly, I I'm going to clean up my language. By golly, I'm going to stop drinking. By golly, I'm going to read my Bible every day. And those things all sound good, you know, and, and uh, you hear an inspiring sermon or an altar call and go for, I'm rededicating my life. And it all sounds well and good until those things start falling by the wayside. Then we find ourselves thinking, oh my gosh, do I really know God at yeah. all? You know, because it's our performance for God, right. not Jesus' performance for us once again. And, and the reason I say it's satanic is the devil really wants to get you discouraged. And a lot of people just say, well, this is too hard. I'm going to throw in the towel. Well, of course it's too hard. You and I can't grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ without his grace, without the power of his Holy Spirit, without a miracle taking place. And so uh, day by day, we need to ask for that miracle to happen that can cause us to grow and progress in our walk with God. The other thing that we should look to to pass that 2 Corinthians 13, 5 test, examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, is not just the promises of God, not just progression that we're seeing, uh, becoming more like Jesus in our character, maybe three steps forward, two steps back, but, but change is happening. But the third thing is this, in uh, Romans 8, 15, we are told that the, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. We haven't received the spirit of fear, uh, of, of uh, fear, uh, but we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. There's an internal witness that the Lord gives us. Now, that internal witness can be clouded out by a lot of things, our emotions, our circumstances, and, and sometimes if we're really not listening to the voice of God, it can be hard to hear. But when you look back on your life, there have been those times, I know you know, that the Lord has spoken to you, and you know that you belong to him you know that he has expressed his love to you. You've had that, that uh, confirming internal work of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got those three things going on, uh, not a bad question to say, well, okay, I'm going to examine myself to see if I'm in the faith. I don't want you know, my faith to be on autopilot. I don't want to be one of those people that say, Lord, Lord, we did all these wonderful things in your name uh, and only to hear you say, I never knew you. 
you have practiced lawlessness, you know, come to the Lord, come to him on the basis of his promises. Look at your life and say, okay, is there progression going on? Not because of new year's resolutions I've turned over, but because I'm starting to change. God's changing my attitude. He's changing me from the inside out. And finally, you know, am I slowing down long enough to be able to listen to the voice of the Lord as he says, you know, that we're his children, his beloved children. His word says it, uh, his spirit will confirm it to our hearts. And so if you got those things going for you, you can be all right. Very good. Well, David, thank you for that email and uh, hope that helps you out and blesses you. God bless your brother. Um, uh, we've got some questions coming in. A uh, question from Shoe Speak. And Shoe Speak, you're going to have to let us know what your name means. <laughs> and we're going to wait until you tell us to answer yeah. the question. No, we won't. <laughs> um, he uh, says, my friend claims he prayed the sinner's prayer and mm-hmm. nothing happened. Um, he is still suffering badly. Nothing is better. And he has none of the peace that surpasses understanding. Any advice or insight into that? Well, there's a lot more to tackle. Much sass. Yeah. Um, now, I guess like a lot of people who get disillusioned with Christianity, like we talked about on Tuesday with Peter, one of the big mistakes that oftentimes happens here is that people come to God with false expectations of what he is, what he said, or what he's promised. And then when he doesn't hold up the end of the bargain that they decided for him, then they pack up their toys and leave. When we pray the sinner's prayer, we're not just reciting some sort of magic canticle that's going to suddenly restart our emotional state back to happy, and then that's going to be the state until we see him face to face, and then it'll upgrade to eternity. That's not biblical at all. Likewise, when we ask the question, what is the sinner's prayer just to begin with, it's not a, you know, taking chapter and verse from the Bible statement that results in you being saved, but a collection of doctrines that all result in salvation. As you mentioned at the start of the broadcast with Romans 10, 9 through 10, over calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, ironically quoting Joel 2 in the Old Testament. But when we're asked the question, so when I say to Jesus, I believe that you're Lord of my life, and I ask you to come into my life, as my Lord and my Savior, that's what essentially is being spoken of. Not that you said those words, but as the same passage says, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. I believe that you died and rose again from the dead for me. That's another part of the sinner's prayer that's important, that's biblical, that does in fact um, confer, I guess would be the word, salvation. So when we ask the question, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer and it didn't work. Well, what were you expecting? Your soul to be saved, your emotions to be appeased. Scripture promises one of those things. If on the other hand, they'd say, you know, I'm still suffering in life. Well, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, that no servant is greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Jesus suffered more than any other man in history. And in praying the prayer, he was agreeing to be conformed to that. So I don't, again, know what he was expecting. Then, you know, asking for the peace that surpasses understanding, that's, again, a quote of something, and not something speaking of emotions, but peace, literally at its definition, is a lack of conflict. And with that perspective governs your life, like Paul in his letter to the Philippian church was noting that, you're meditating on who Jesus is, not what you decided Jesus ought to do for you. And not to interject, but where was Paul when he made that statement about the peace of God that passes understanding? Suffering in a Roman prison under false charges 
as a result of being targeted by his former colleagues, his culture, and essentially being railroaded for political expediency by his local government. So, so we got betrayal, personal betrayal by people that you thought you could trust. That's rough, right? Being thrown into a Roman prison, not exactly what I would call a trip to the Marriott, right? Um, you've got, according to Philippians, people on the outside were trying to make him feel worse by building up their ministries and say, oh, well, that Paul, he's in jail. You can't trust him, trust me. He goes, well, I really don't care, you know. Christ has preached. Yeah. So not what I would call uh, optimal conditions uh, for a, an emotional, uh, emotionally-based faith, right? Yeah, if what your friends you speak is expecting was modeled by Paul, then he should have cashed in his faith as the first verse of Philippians. Or I guess second verse. First, he'd have to say, hi, this is Paul, I quit. But if, on the other hand, he had a different understanding of what a relationship with Jesus is all about than what your friend decided, again, there's nothing wrong with that. A one-year-old shouldn't be reciting Shakespeare. He first has to learn Dada and Mama. But this is where you have the opportunity to step in and maybe clarify some things for him. When you said the Lord's Prayer, walk him through that. What did you mean when you said, I believe that Jesus Lord, that you died and rose from the dead for me? And with that ownership, then taking the perspective, I want peace. Well, what peace matters most to God? Your emotional perspective or your state with him? Will one perhaps... The peace of God versus the peace with God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, one may in time produce another, but we need to be careful that we're not holding God to standards he didn't set for himself. That's how people walk away from a faith they never had. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's so interesting to me, and, and I don't know if this is the case. Uh, you speak? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like uh, talking about, I sold shoes. Kenny shoes at one point, so I'm uh, qualified to speak on shoes. You did everything at one point. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had quite a career. Uh, but uh, the, the, the interesting thing to me is this, and I, I kind of wonder, you speak, if this is kind of the, the fatal flaw in this. I think there's people with really good intentions who will preach a gospel, and I use uh, quotation marks here, uh, you know, for those of you uh, listening on the radio, that says, come to Jesus and all your problems are over. Come to Jesus and, as the corny old hymn puts it, now I'm happy all the day. Hmm. Um, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's biblical. Uh, Jesus is described in Isaiah 53 as being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Didn't mean that he was sour and dour all the time, but Jesus experienced the whole uh, range of human emotions. He was also anointed with joy more than his companions. But real life uh, can't be received by way of a happy pill, uh, contrary to what uh, Big Pharma might tell you and all the happy people you see in the ads before they tell you all the side effects. Mm -hmm. Jesus isn't a happy pill. And so I wonder if uh, your friend was sort of led down the path of saying, oh, come to Jesus and all your problems are over. Uh, maybe uh, this person is sort of a uh, salesman uh, saying, uh, oh, you know, I came to Jesus and I haven't had a bad day since. Right. And he solved all my problems. And I was the, I was the tail. Now I'm the head. I was uh, the, the borrower. Now I'm the lender. A lot of stuff in what's called prosperity preaching. Right will say, come to Jesus and all your problems are over. Yeah. Well, what I experienced was this. 
uh, you know, I came to know Jesus and I was the first person in my family to become a born again Christian. And man, I just had such incredible joy. It was just such an incredible experience going from not knowing God at all to knowing that he loved me personally. But maybe there was uh, an eight hour lull in the storm before the people that I used to hang out with found out that I'd become a born again Christian and it was on like Donkey Kong, mm. uh, my family. Uh, they first thought that I was going down this Jesus fad thing. And then they thought that, uh, I joined a cult and then they lo- thought I lost my mind. And I used to get blasted. Uh, I, re- I remember in one situation when my dad, uh, came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, I felt like God was calling me into the ministry. I wasn't going to go into law. He looked at me and said, you are a complete disappointment to me as a son. Wow. And you got to understand what kind of person I am. I mean, I take those personality tests and I always come out like a golden retriever. Mm. I mean, I would have done anything rather than disappoint my family. And there it was, you know, and, you know, I could go on and talk about other things, but, but the bottom line was I walked away from that conversation with my dad and I just felt like I'd been kicked in the gut, but I also knew that the Lord was with me Mm. and I was doing what he wanted me to do. Mm. And, you know, that's the the crazy thing about that peace of God that passes all understanding Mm. It's something that is beyond a description, and it's something that even transcends our emotions. Mm. If by the peace that passes all understanding, you mean that you got this painted on cheesy grin all the time, and I only have positive emotions and no negative emotions ever again because now I'm a... That's not how it works. But there is that conviction that you have within your heart that you know that you know that you know Mm. that you're not in this alone. And that's where the peace comes from. It isn't the absence of negative feelings it isn't the absence of negative circumstances but if we do people the disservice of uh you know presenting jesus as a happy pill uh you know jesus is the latest and greatest and and oh you know since you know i've come had come to know jesus i have this wonderful you know peace all the time well you know someone that practices transcendental meditation could say the same thing but what's the difference well the difference is a relationship and like you were saying sean you know how do we define faith in Jesus? Is it just believing certain facts about Jesus? Is it having a certain expectation that, okay, Jesus, I'll do you the favor of inviting you into my heart, but you owe me one. You owe me this great life going forward. What's real faith in Jesus all about? The word faith just means trust, but the kind of trust that's informed trust with reason, loyalty, those kinds of things. You can have misplaced loyalty. You can have bad reasons for trusting somebody, and those are usually the ones that people cash in on. But when we ask ourselves, my faith is being put in Jesus, I'm trusting him for the reasons he's given, and that's what? That through a life of suffering, that after death, he rose again. That even if a man dies, he will live again. That if there's a God out there, I've shown that he cares about you by demonstrating who he is firsthand. And I'll demonstrate that through this reason. I have authority over life and death. The authority to lay down my life and take it up again. As far as our emotional state in between, it's secondary. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, there's even another insight into this is if what we call our faith in Jesus, you know, well, well I, I accepted Jesus and uh, my life didn't get better or, you know, I accepted Jesus and I didn't experience this emotional change. Well, we're sort of, we've, I think we've got the roles reversed. You know, he's the Lord, we're the followers. Uh, we're not the Lord, and, and he isn't, as Bob Dylan once said, an errand boy to satisfy your wandering desires. And if we fail to understand that, 
Uh, you know, there's that phenomenon of the exvangelical these days. People that say, well, yeah, I prayed and received Jesus, but I guess it didn't take, or, you know, I walked away from that or something. There's a really fascinating story that uh, Chuck Colson uh, told in his book, Who Speaks for God, about a gangster by the name of Mickey Cohen. Well, when Billy Graham did his crusade in New York, uh, the New York Times even ran a story that Mickey Cohen, this notorious gangster, mafioso, uh, went forward and received Jesus as his savior. Mm. And everybody was like, wow, you know, that's really something. Well, after a few weeks, it became apparent that Mickey Cohen was back to his old gangstering ways. Mm. And so some uh, emissaries from Billy's organization sat down and met with him and they said, well, you know, hey, you know, you're a Christian and, you know, some things are going to have to change. And Mickey Cohen was indignant. He said, what do you mean? I heard there were Christian baseball players and there were Christian businessmen. Why can't there be a Christian gangster? <laughs> and when they explained to him that, say, racketeering and taking out contracts on people and running prostitution rackets and things like this were going to have to go, he just said, well, forget it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Wow. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> Jesus was supposed to be along with Mickey Cohen's right. Yeah. And that's not what a relationship with God works. That's not faith. Right. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's yep. what faith is all about. And that means that Jesus can have some decidedly different ideas uh, about what's best for us, uh, what real prosperity looks like, uh, what a full and meaningful life looks like. And I guess the big question we got to ask ourselves is this, uh, are we willing to trust him or do we just, uh, you know, are we just looking to manipulate him? Jesus, God isn't easily manipulated. No. In fact, he doesn't go along with that a at all. Absolutely. You know, when I hear people say things like, uh, well, I tried Jesus and he didn't work for me. Hmm. You know, I always snarkily say something to the effect of, well, did you take the recommended dose? Hmm. He didn't work for you? You know, he's a bad employee? What do you mean he didn't work for you? Yeah. What were you expecting in all of this? It'd be like saying, well, I got married and my wife didn't work for me. Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe that's why you're not married anymore. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I, again, shoe speak. These are, are, I think, issues that you can get into with your friend. And, you know, maybe explain to him, uh, kind of like uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos, more accurately mm. the way of truth mm. and see what he says. Yeah. Very good. So, well, shoe speak, thank uh, Shoe speak commented um, that it's his name, his username is a line from the old House MD show. Uh, the quote is, you say no, but your shoes say yes. <laughs> A.K.A. shoes that speak yes. I like that. Shoes speak yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we know. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up pretty soon on the end of our show here, but a question from John. Uh, Galatians 5.24, which says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says to me, Galatians 5.24 brings up a question. I still live with my flesh and its passions and desires and I'm still a sinner. So how is the flesh crucified? Well, I think the misunderstanding is your flesh isn't beheaded. It's crucified. Beheading was a very fast, immediate, and one-step process, if all went well. Crucifixion was a drawn-out, slow, painful, and humiliating death, the worst death ever imagined by human beings. So when Paul uses the term crucified, he was doing so with the vivid image of people who were currently hanging, struggling for breath, stripped of their flesh and clothes off of freeway signs, essentially, left to suffer as a reminder to the rest of the nation. Yeah. Now, in that comparison, to crucify your flesh and desires, it's not saying you're dead. It means you're dying. 
that there's no way to undo this, that what you've been through is not only horrible, but it's going down a road that only ends one way. Right. And if he characterizes that as the Christian life, then we look at ourselves the same way and note just like those people are fighting for breath, our flesh is still struggling to hang on for as long as it possibly can. And morbid though the image may be, it was his point in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 31 where he told the people who were denying the resurrection, I die daily. If the dead don't rise, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But because Christ is risen, we have, there's the term again, crucified the flesh with its right. lust. So if we properly understand the image that Paul's painting here, the idea of, I'm still a sinner. Yes, those crucified victims are still alive, but they're going to die. Right. I'm still fallen, but I'm going to be glorified, all of Romans 8. But that's why Romans 8 is preceded by Romans 7. The good I will to do, I do not do. That what I hate, that mm -hmm. I practice. I know there's a law within me, that is what I hate, my flesh, and a law within my flesh, or within my person, my spirit, that wants to honor the law of God. This is paraphrased, of course. But yeah. all this ongoing conflict is literally that crucifixion process. And the more that we get out of our minds, again, interpreting crucified as a completed process, as opposed to a horrifyingly difficult process and a long and drawn out process at that then we understand paul's point about sanctification that every single day we're becoming more like christ but more like doesn't mean am yes and you know again uh, uh john i just encourage you go a few verses back in galatians chapter 5 uh where in verse 16 he says i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, in, in other words, uh, what Paul is saying there is there's going to be this conflict. And, uh, you know, there's a, a well-worn but I think accurate illustration about how this sort of thing works. Uh, you know, a uh, missionary to the uh, Inuit Indians uh, up in Alaska was trying to explain this concept of the battle between the flesh and the spirit to mm -hmm. one of the uh, Inuits who gave their life to Christ. And uh, the Inuit said, I think I understand this one. You know, because I have this uh, sled dog team and there are two dominant dogs. One of them is white and the other is black. And they are constantly fighting to be dominant over the, the rest of the sled team. And uh, the missionary said, well, which one wins? And he says, well, I suppose the one I feed the most. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of how it is. And, you know, there, there's a false teaching called the manifest sons of God that says that you can be perfected this side of heaven. Uh, well, we know that's not true. First uh, John chapter one and verse eight says, if we say we have no sin, we lie on the truth not in us. We're going to always have that struggle because we've got this fallen sinful nature with us. Uh, you know, you quoted from uh, Romans chapter 7. I'll never forget what my uh, uh, theology prof at Talbot said about this. He said, this is the tension of living in two ages at once. Hmm. You know, in a sense, we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus positionally, but practically, I woke up this morning and I found myself squarely located here on planet Earth. Right. And so there's that battle that goes on daily. Uh, that happens there. But I love the fact that uh, that you use that analogy, uh, the difference between being beheaded and crucified. Yeah. Beheaded, it's all over in one fell swoop. And sometimes that's how Christian growth gets sold to us. But yeah. 
but it really is a crucifying process. And, uh, you know, in Galatians chapter two, Paul said, uh, you know, a really interesting thing. He said that, uh, I've been crucified with Christ and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died needlessly. Well, there's the rub, you know, the toughest battle that I think we have is, and sometimes it can disguise itself in really religious garb is the battle to let go of trying to please God in our own power and strength and learn to rely on the power of the Holy spirit to live the Christian life in and through us. Mm. And if you never figure out the difference between that and be a world of hurt, a world of frustration. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a question here. This should be real quick, maybe, yeah. hopefully, from Gavin. Yeah. What is the difference between uh, Cappadocia and Laodicea? Geography, two different cities. <laughs> Modern day uh, Asia. Well, Cappadocia is the name of Cappadocia. a province. Is, is a province uh, in the area we would know as Asia Minor. Yeah. Uh, and Laodicea is the name of a particular city uh, within that province. Oh, okay. It's basically the border of what we would call modern day Turkey as the Greek culture and the Roman empire could control. Right. And ma- that mentioned briefly of them in Acts chapter two, it was just noting from that area as far Northeast as Turkey, it'd be like saying Maine in the United States. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, thanks Gavin. Hope that helps you out with that. We're at the end of our show today. Stick around on these live platforms. We will be continue our study in Ezekiel tonight. Am yeah. Right? Ezekiel yeah. 11. Yeah. Yep. Fascinating so stuff. Yeah. About half an hour. We'll be going live again. If not, we'll see you back same time place tomorrow. Thanks for being part of the show. God bless you. God bless you. Ken. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.